Sister Mia, and I'm wondering if just for a moment you could hang on. Uh, if you will indulge me for a moment, uh, certainly no one needs to come down if you do not feel comfortable to do so. My daughter uh, this morning had 104 fever. Um, she has for about three days, three or four days now, at the same time every day, she begins to get a little splotchy with uh, bumps and um, uh, it's obviously some sort of allergic reaction. Uh, she took my daughter to the walk-in clinic today. They ruled out flu, COVID, anything like that. And um, I just thought if you would indulge me for a moment, this father could take a minute to anoint and pray over his daughter. Would that be okay? Again, if you'd like to come down and pray over, you're welcome to do so. If you don't feel comfortable with that, I understand that too. But if you would, just point your head towards her. Rebecca, we're going to pray with you, okay? We're going to pray that God touches you and heals your body, okay? All right. We're just going to do it real quick. It's okay. All right. Let's do this right now. Hallelujah. If you could, just point your hands this way. Hallelujah. We can pray for her attitude as well while we're at it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. But let, please, if you will, continue to pray for her. Of course, she's, she's uh, not feeling well. That's why she's acting that way. God bless you. Sunday school can be dismissed right now. If you'd like to head in your Bibles to Job chapter 6 and verse 27. I want to give honor to all of our fathers in the house. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for being who you are, for your children. And I think it's appropriate that we spend time this morning honoring our fathers. Amen. I give honor to my father. I will get a chance to take him out to eat this afternoon, and um, to celebrate him, and uh, it is appropriate to do so. I'm thankful for my father who has been the number one teacher in my life, and I am forever indebted, eternally indebted to him, because he's the one who taught me the Word of God. He's the one who lived the Word of God Hallelujah. He didn't just preach it behind the pulpit. He lived it out at home. Praise God. Not a lot of people could say that. In fact, I, I had a lot of friends growing up as PKs, pastor's kids. I had a lot of pastor kid friends growing up, and they would tell you, my daddy's different behind the pulpit than he is at home. I can say my dad was the same man. Hallelujah. He was a good father behind the pulpit. He was a good father at home. He lived it, and he lived it at home just as much as he lived it behind the pulpit. I know it's crazy for some people, but I could tell you on, on probably one hand the amount of times I've seen my father without a shirt on. You might think, well, that's weird. But that's just how he lived. He was modest. He was appropriate. He lived that way even behind closed doors in front of his children. 
Hallelujah. I, I walk around without a shirt on all the time in front of my kids, praise God. But So I'm not saying you got to do that. I'm just saying that was the type of man that he was. If he believed it outwardly, he lived it inside the home, and he taught us how to be a righteous man. He taught me and my two brothers how to be righteous men, how to have integrity, and to be who we're supposed to be. Thank God for fathers, amen, who teach us those lessons. And not everybody has a father who's done that, and I recognize that, but I must give honor to my father who absolutely did that. And I tell you what, if he listens to this, he is going to be the most embarrassed man in the world. Praise God, but a hallelujah, I'm sure he'll forgive me. Well, I'm going to be feeding him hibachi later, so he better forgive me. All right, Job chapter 6, verse 27. We're just going to read this one short passage of Scripture. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, yes, you overwhelm the fatherless and you undermine your friend. You overwhelm the fatherless. It's that phrase right there that I'd like to spend a few moments on. And I know that we've only got a couple of fathers in the house. And then we've got some grandfathers. But today I'm not just going to be talking to the fathers, but I do want to preach this morning on this topic. The fatherless. The fatherless. I believe God wants to speak to us, and God wants to affirm some things in our hearts if you would give me a chance to talk to you today. How about we go to the Lord in prayer, ask that he bless this service and speak to us, Lord. We know that you've already done so many great things today. Lord, you've confirmed in our heart that you are with us, that, Lord, you're going to help us, you're going to go with us. You've confirmed in our hearts, Lord Jesus, that there's more for us in your presence. Oh, God, I pray in this place uh, you would help me to preach, Lord. I ask you to help me to minister this word. Help me to communicate it in the way, Lord, that you want me to communicate it. Help me, Lord Jesus, to put this in our hearts uh, that we may know this, Lord God. And no matter what society says, uh, no matter, Lord Jesus, what this world thinks, uh, Lord, help us to know your word on this topic. Let it come into our hearts. Let it come into our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you clap your hands? Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. Though I'm talking about the fatherless, I do not desire to dwell in a negative way, but I'd hope to use the, this term, the fatherless, as a way to show the importance of fatherhood. Now again, uh, please just hang on. I'm not only going to be talking to the fathers. We'll turn it around and we'll include everybody eventually. However, I do think it is important as a church that we reaffirm the fact that fathers are essential and important They're not secondary, but they hold an important place in the family structure. Amen? Come on, I need a better amen than that. This story of Job, if you know much about the Bible, you've read the story of Job. It is one of the most fascinating stories in all of the Bible. I could, in fact, I have preached probably 50, 60 sermons straight out of the book of Job. There's so much to break apart in the book of Job. I don't have time to go into every bit of it, but I will talk a few minutes about Job and the trials that he faced. We know that one day the Satan came before the, the children of God, or angels, if you will, came to present himself before God. Yes, even the devil has to present himself before God. That's what the book of Job tells us and teaches us. And 
God says, you know, devil, what's been going on? What are you doing? What's your plans? Even the devil has to give an account for himself before God. He says, well, I've been walking to and fro, doing this, doing that. God says, have you considered my servant Job? Now, that's one of the times you don't want to be in the mouth of God. Hallelujah. But he says, have you considered my servant Job? We know that Job at this time was a very strong man in the Lord. The Bible says that he was perfect in the sight of God, that he had not cursed God, but he was faithful in living for God. And God wanted to challenge that a little bit. The devil said, well, look, of course he serves you. Of course he does what you want him to do. It's because you put a hedge of protection around him. He said, Job's never had to go through anything. Of course he believes in you, right? Like like us here, right? We, we only serve him because we've never gone through anything, right? He says he's never gone through anything. That's why he serves you. He says, remove your hedge of protection. Let me do my work on him. And then let's see if Job remains faithful. God allows him. He removes his hedge of protection. And all of a sudden, catastrophe falls on Job. You see, sometimes we don't realize that our trials are not because we are unfaithful, but rather sometimes we have trials and tribulations because we are faithful. And the devil's trying to push us because he wants to see how long will you remain faithful Oh, I tell you what, I want to remain faithful, hallelujah, to the very end. The Lord gives and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. As Job is standing out in the field, servants run to him and explain that his oxen and his donkeys were stolen and the servants that cared for them was killed by the Sabaeans. And before that servant was able to finish, another servant came running up. He said, Job, your sheep and the shepherds which care for them were killed by fire from heaven. You got to remember, Job was a wealthy man. And he is slowly seeing his entire livelihood be destroyed right in front of his face. While he spake, another servant came to Job and said, Job, your camels were stolen and the servants that cared for them were killed by a completely different group of people, the Chaldeans. Man, you are an unlike man, Job. Now all of his cattle, all of his livelihood is completely destroyed The servants that helped to get him there have been killed off. Job is sitting there without livelihood. And if you think that's the worst, just get a load of this. As that servant talked to him, another servant came up and said, Job, all of your sons and daughters were in one house celebrating And a great mighty wind came through and it caused the house to collapse and kill your sons and your daughters. What a horrible, horrible thing to have to endure. The loss of a son or a daughter. I'm sure losing his livelihood and and all those other things were hard, but now this is really hitting home in his heart. His sons, his daughters, all killed by a mighty wind. But yet, Job did not curse God. Amen. Hallelujah. Satan went back to heaven, had to give an account to God again. God says, what have you been doing? Have you considered my servant Job? 
He said, well, yeah, you know, I took away his livelihood and, and I took away his children, but, but you're still protecting him. He says, how so? He said, you won't let me touch his body. He says, all right, go touch his body. The devil came and gave him some sort of disease that caused horrible boils to develop all over his body. These boils covered him to the point where the Bible says that he had to take pieces of pottery to cut away the boils off of his flesh as he sat in ashes. It was to the point to where his own wife began to tell him, just curse God already. Don't you see what's happening here? Do you really still hold on to your faith and belief in God? Curse God and die. So now, not only has he lost his livelihood, his workers, his children, his health, he's also lost his wife. That wasn't all that he would lose. Some friends came over to comfort Job. But the problem was, in all of this, Job had also lost his reputation. See, because everyone knew he was a righteous man, that's why he was so blessed and had so much wealth. So it's only obvious that he's been an unrighteous man. That's why he lost it all. Everybody's looking at Job. You've been an unrighteous man of God. You've been doing things behind closed doors that you shouldn't be doing. Job the whole time sat there saying, what are you talking about? I've not done anything wrong. His friends persisted. And I I would challenge to say at that moment he lost his friends. Job sat there in ashes, flesh peeling off. Friends, family, wife, livelihood, all lost. His friends are hammering him down, talking about how horrible of a person he is, undermining him. And there's only one thing in that moment, only one way that Job could really explain the way that he felt. Only one way he could compare that feeling of utter loneliness, utter destitution. He says to his friends, yes, you overwhelm the fatherless. He says, all that I've gone through, all of my loss, all of my loneliness, my wife leaving me, my kids dying off, my livelihood, my friends betraying me, it reminds me of one feeling. It's the feeling I felt when I became fatherless. Hallelujah. And what I'd like to preach to you for just a moment is that all of the culmination of these horrible things, Job recognized this equals fatherlessness. Hallelujah. That's how important a father is to a child. He says a fatherlessness is like losing all your livelihood, like losing all your workers, like losing all your children, like losing your health, your wife, your reputation, and your friends. It is equivalent to being fatherless. It is the equivalence of not having a dad in your life. All of the bad is equivalent to being fatherless. By saying this, Job is expressing that the being deprived of his children, of his estate, being forsaken by his friends, is how he felt when he was fatherless. The best way he could explain it and express the emptiness that he felt, to express the 
emptiness inside of him was to say, I'm fatherless. Now, if you know the story, you'll know that the father of Job has never been mentioned until this verse. And in fact, it is not believed that he's talking about a literal father. We'll talk more about that later. But he's expressing the feeling, the intensity, the problem, the destruction that comes into a man or a woman's life when they are fatherless. This word fatherless that he uses, it comes from the Greek word or the Hebrew word Jotham. It's defined or here rendered fatherless. It means a solitary person in distress as well as it means an orphan or one that is desolate. And it's important to note it is once defined as orphan. Three times it is defined as fatherless child. 38 times it is defined as fatherless, translated as fatherless. Now this is really important because the Bible talks all about the fatherless. And today I'm not here to try to diminish the extreme, the extremely important role of a mother. I'm not trying to do that. The problem is, is that the world has so greatly diminished the role of the father to where we've become even offended suggesting that the father is just as important as the mother. Oh boy, it's getting tight. Hallelujah. Praise God. In the Old Testament, in the Bible, the biblical perspective is that they saw fatherlessness as one of the worst states a person could be in. In fact, in Scripture, it constantly talks about the fatherless. And really what it means is the orphan. Because even if a man or a woman... Even if a child, rather, had a mother, if they did not have a father, they were considered an orphan. Now again, that's not to diminish. These days, it's a lot different. In those days, it was different because the father was the breadwinner. The father won the food, got the food. The father was the reason why they got an education. All of those things. Things have shifted in society in a financial way to where now we don't consider the children who are with the mother as orphans. We just consider them a single parent home, right? But it doesn't diminish the importance of a father because the father's role is much greater than just providing finances. A father's role is much greater than just providing opportunities for their children. Hallelujah. But the destructiveness in Job's life, he equated it to being fatherless. And if I may today... I feel like we could also equate the destruction in our own society to fatherlessness. Because of this destruction, 85% of children with behavioral disorders are from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 70% of teen pregnancies are from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists are from fatherless homes. Yet it seems like the dad is always being put out there as the bad guys teaching their kids to do these things. 75% of teen patients in drug abuse centers are from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in correctional institutions are from fatherless homes. 
85% of youth in prison are from fatherless homes. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. We look at this. What I see is I see a world that has been left destitute without a father figure. And again, I'm not here to suggest that every person falls under this, but I am here to suggest that one of the worst things we could do for the next generation is to forget the Father. I think it's time we magnify the Father again and say a Father's role is important. A Father's role is essential. Hallelujah. We need fathers in the house. We need fathers in the church. We need fathers with the children. Come on now. Hallelujah. I don't want to see the fatherless anymore. Look at this, Job 29 and 12. Job 29 and 12. Because, this is Job talking, because I delivered the poor that cried and the fatherless and him that had none to help him. He's saying the fatherless was without help. Can I preach to you for a moment? Hallelujah. There's so much more to not having a dad than a mother just trying to fulfill both roles. A father's position is essential in the home. A child needs his dad. A little girl needs a daddy to hold on to. A little boy needs a daddy to help him. Hallelujah. We're not just talking about financially. We're talking about emotionally. We're talking talking about spiritually we're talking about physically oh god help us to see how important our fathers are again hallelujah fathers help in so many ways a child father helps a child to be more open in fact, it's not just in later years, but, but studies have been done that shows that an infant under one years old who has a father who is active in his life will become more active, more sociable, more balanced, even a child under one years old. Did you know that studies have been done that have proven that a young baby who is still breastfeeding actually feeds better when there's a father in the home. Think about that for a moment. Something that is solely a woman's activity, something only a woman can do. That sounds crazy in this world today. It's not really. (laughs) Praise God. Seems like it, it needs to be unsaid, but it These days it has to be said. But an activity that only a woman could fulfill. Yet a father just being there, being present, actually makes it easier and better. And the child, it's been proven, a child under one years old with a father, an active father in the home, actually will grow bigger and more healthy. Now, he ain't getting no milk from any father, okay? (laughs) But because a father's there and a father's present, can I tell you this is so important? And maybe I'm just talking to myself. Just yesterday, my poor kids, Just yesterday, I asked my son. We were playing a game. I asked him a question. He had to tell me the answer. He asked me a question. I had to tell him the answer. I said, okay, besides mommy and daddy, who's your best friend? He said, his cousin, Christopher. He said, but if you include mommy and daddy, I began to tense up. I was ready for it. It would be mommy. And I'll tell you, that's not the only time he's ever said something like that. I said, ah. he said, okay, okay, and daddy. 
It seems like daddy's just not important. It seems like daddy's just secondary. Let me tell you, daddy, you're not secondary. Let me tell you, daddy, you're more important than you could ever realize because God help our children without you. God help our children who are fatherless. I know there are many who grow up today fatherless. I say God bless them. God help them because this is so important that we have fathers. As a church, we got to stand against fatherlessness. As a church, we need to stand up and say, we need strong fathers in the home. As a church, we need to stand up and say, if only our fathers were in the picture, there wouldn't be so much of this homosexual junk. We need to say, if our fathers was in the pictures, Maybe there wouldn't be so much pornography. Hallelujah. I believe full-hearted that it was the beginning of, of, of single mothers trying to raise kids on her own that began all of this. And I'm not knocking single mothers. I'm telling you, it'd probably be worse if it was only single fathers. But what I'm saying is both are essential, and we need mommy, and we need daddy. We need a father in the home. Look at this, Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5. Look at the revival that is to come. And this is believed that this was a prophecy for our day. Malachi 4 and 5. Behold, I will send you the Elijah, Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great dreadful day of the Lord. Before Jesus comes back. Look at what's going to happen. Behold, verse 6. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Can I tell you this world will see revival when the hearts of the fathers go back to the children and they said, I'm not going to let you go, child. I'm not going to abandon you, child. I'm not going to leave it all up to mommy. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to read the Bible to you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to take you to church. I'm going to tell you your do's and don'ts. Hallelujah. When a father's heart is returned back to the children, Hallelujah. There will be a day where the heart of the fathers will go to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers. I feel like that's what this church needs. This church needs a revival in the heart of fathers. Let's say it's time. It's time. It's time to start loving my kids more than ever before. It's time to start giving them my attention no matter what my goals and agendas are. It's time for the father's heart to go back to the children. And please hear me. Before the children's heart returns to the father the father's heart has to return to the children if we want a, re a revival of respect of mom and dad we want our children to fear have a respectful fear of the authority we have as parents it's going to first start with me and my love and my attention and my teaching, and my provision, and my protection going back to the children. If you believe that, would you clap your hands? Oh, Jesus, we need it. Jesus, we need it. Give us that revival. Come on. Can you pray that right now? God, give us a revival of fatherhood. Give us a revival where fathers commit to their children. Fathers are involved in their children's lives. Fathers help to raise them. Fathers, help to protect them and provide for them. Oh, God, we need a revival of the fathers. We need a revival of the fathers, God. Oh, God. 
Oh, God. And if they don't have a father, then guess what? I'll be your daddy. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'll be your father. I can tell you even as a teenager, as a youth pastor, I taught several young men how to drive who didn't have fathers in their lives. This isn't to pat me on the back and say, good job, Aaron. But I'm saying, hallelujah, if they don't have a physical father, then it's time for some men in the church to step up and say, look to me. I'll be your role model. I'll teach you how to be a man. I'll show you how to walk in and walk out. I'll teach you how to love. I'll teach you how to talk to people. Come on. We need fathers who step up, who don't have children in this house. We need people to step up and to be fathers. Praise God. Because if we want a revival in this place, it's going to be started when fathers get a love for children. Can I say we need a love for our physical children and our spiritual children? We need a love for our new babies coming in, getting baptized, receiving the Holy Ghost. We need a love for our new babies in the Lord. And when the father's heart, they're turned to the children. That's when revival will come. And I know... This has been primarily for the men of the house, in this house. I hope today our young men here who are not fathers will hear this sermon today. When it's your turn, you be the best father you can be. Love your children. Do right by them. Make them a priority in your life. Not above God and not above your wife but above everything else. Hallelujah. Make them a priority in your life. Hallelujah. Praise God. Show them how to live for God. Be a prophet in your home, a priest in your home. Show them not just how to talk and walk, but show them how to pray and how to fast. Show them how to praise God. Be the example you need to be for them. Hallelujah. Punish them when they need it. Discipline them as a loving father. Come on, I, I deleted it out of my notes. I'm just going with what I feel. But the Bible literally says the father disciplines him who he loves. Discipline your children when it's time so that they can grow up being a, f a respectful group of children. And I'm not be saying be nasty. I'm not encouraging you to take out your anger. If you discipline with anger, you're not disciplining right, and you need to check yourself. I try to make it a point never to discipline my children when I'm angry. If they do something and I'm just upset, I tell them, go to your room. I'll be there in a minute. I'll cool off, and then I'll go and get on them and discipline them because I want to discipline them, and I want to be able to talk to them, and I want to be able to tell them, you know why I'm doing this? Do you know why you're in trouble? Do you understand it? The problem is, is that we've got fathers who have overstepped for so long that we've lost the balance here. Praise God. I'm stepping into areas that I didn't plan on stepping into. Praise God. But it's so important that a daddy be a dad. Hallelujah. Let your children fall. You know, that's actually one of the most important roles a dad has. It teaches children how to fall. Sometimes they push them down. It teaches your children how to get back up, how to be resilient, how to be strong, how to stand up for themselves. In fact, it is another study was done 
that prove that fathers are one of the most important contributions to a child's confidence than anything else. Again, this is not to diminish the role of the mother. We talked about mothers on Mother's Day. This is Father's Day. And we need our fathers. If you're a dad in this house, let me tell you, show your children the priority of church in your life. I've had it. Again, poor little William. Hallelujah. But I've had him come, and he says that we have church tonight. Yes. Aww. But I say, William, I know right now you don't really understand, but I say, Mommy and Daddy, we love church. And it's one of the most important places for us to be at. And we love getting to share church with you. And right now you might not understand it because you want to be here playing with your toys or playing a video game or something like that. I said, but we think it's important to to serve God, to go to church. Hallelujah. If you show them that it's a priority, they will adopt that. And they'll make it a priority in the life. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. I've said enough negative things about William. Let me give a positive. Is this all right? I know I'm not in my notes anymore. We're way beyond that. But is this okay here today? Just a few weeks ago, I preached. It was one of my first time preaching after almost a month of not preaching. And I preached a sermon and man, it just, it, it messed me up. I was all emotional, and and God just really spoke to me through the sermon. After service, we did a small altar call. There was a lot of people here, but we invited people to come down. People prayed for a minute, but man, it was just stirring so greatly in my heart. I asked my wife to come and close the service, and I just got down right here. There was nobody else in the altar anymore. I just got down right here and began to pray. And God was just working in my heart. And I felt alone, but I I knew God was speaking to me. Little William comes up, and he comes and puts his hand on me and starts to pray for me. And then his little sister decided to come and join him. So she came over and started praying for me. And after a minute of that, William got up and went and told his mom, who was standing here behind the pulpit, Mommy, can you come and help me pray with Daddy? So my wife came down and started praying for me. At that point, the whole church caught on, and everybody here came down and started praying for me. Can I tell you, we had a move of God. Hallelujah. People were weeping and crying down here in the altar. Hallelujah. It didn't happen because of my sermon. It happened because a kid came and prayed for his daddy. How did he know to do that? It's because every Monday night I bring him down here, and I pray with him. Hallelujah. Every night we get together and we pray together. Hallelujah, if you want children to make church a priority, you're going to have to make it a priority. And this morning, I'm certainly not only wanting to talk to the fathers. I want to talk to the fatherless. We know very little of Job's father. We don't see any name, description, location of his father. There's some outside sources that suggest some things, but they cannot be fully trusted. So when Job said that he was fatherless, He made that connection between what he was going through and fatherlessness. It is believed that he wasn't describing not having a father, but rather the feeling of not having a father. A feeling of being alone. A feeling of not having anybody there to help him. 
the feeling of being abandoned. Hallelujah. And as God began to deal with me on this, I felt God say, here this morning there's some who you do feel fatherless. You still have a dad. Maybe he's in the picture, maybe he isn't. But in portions of your life, you feel like you have been abandoned. You feel like you don't have help. You feel lost. Maybe you can understand a little bit what Job is going through. You can feel that pain of loss. You can feel that fear of losing your job. You can feel that anxiety knowing you've got nowhere else to turn. You can feel that pressure knowing everyone else around you is trying to get you to do one thing and you don't want to do that thing. Feeling that seclusiveness knowing Nobody else in your family is serving God. And you feel all alone. And on top of that, it's your reputation that has taken hit after hit after hit. Maybe this morning you too can say, you know, this baby does feel a little bit like not having a daddy who could come and help. But can I tell you for just a moment, this might be obvious. I'm not trying to pull any wool over your eyes or trick you. I'm here to tell you the Father is in the house. John 14 and 18, if you could throw that up. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. That word comfortless, it was chosen to be translated as comfortless. But the word actually means, I will not leave you as an orphan, but I will come to you. What he's literally saying is, I'm not going to leave you abandoned. I'm not going to leave you without hope. I'm here. I will come to you. I will fill you with my spirit. I will bring you into my household. I'll make you one of my own. I will come to you. Psalm 68 and 5. A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. If you're fatherless today in a literal sense or you're fatherless like Job was fatherless, let me tell you something. God is in this place and he's a father of the fatherless and he cares for those who don't have people to care for them and he helps those who don't have help. Oh, Psalms 27 and 10. And if we could stand today. Psalms 27 and 10. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. This is what it says in the CEV version. Even if my father and mother should desert me, you will take care of me. This is what it says in the NLT version. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. This is what it says in the MES version. My father and mother walked out and left me. But God took me in. He's a father to the fatherless. He's a helper to the helpless. Psalms 10, 14, and then I'm done. Psalms 10, 14. 
thou hast seen it. For thou beholdest mischief and spite to requite it with thy hand. The poor committeth himself unto thee. Thou art the helper of the fatherless. Remember earlier we read that passage of Scripture that says the fatherless are without help. It doesn't matter who you are today. If you're fatherless, if you have a father, let me also reassure you, he is the helper of the fatherless. He is our strength when we do not have a physical arm to hold on to. He is our disciplinarian when we don't have a dad to teach us what's right and wrong. And of course, I mean this in a literal sense, but I also mean this in a sense, if you feel lonely, if you feel afraid, if you need a protector, he's a protector. If you need a provider, he's a provider. If you need a comfort, he's a comforter. If you need a helper, he's a helper today. Hallelujah, I'm done preaching. I want to invite you to come down to this altar and reach out to your Father who is in heaven and say, God, I know you are my Father. Hallelujah, I know I am not helpless. I know I am not without, Lord, for thou makest me to lie down in green pasture. Lord, you leadeth me besides the still waters. Lord, you guide me and protect me. You care for me, Lord Jesus, more than any man or woman ever could. Oh, Lord God, I submit to you today as my father. Hallelujah. And if you are a dad here today, then why don't you cry out and say, God, make me a better father. If you are a mother here today, why don't you pray the same thing? God, make me a better mother. Help me, Lord. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Who here among us has not 